Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 389, and today we'll be talking about the Oscar and the Monsters episodes from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Tiny Outburst Society was a really good name for their secret society, don't you think? <laughs> oh man, it was wonderful. I love that, you know, we keep getting origin stories we never asked for. Over and over and over again. The Tiny Outburst Society is apparently how all these monsters came together, which is, I never like cyclical time travel nonsense, and this still bothers me, but that's something I'm going to have to get over and not think about. That This is a different kind of time travel shenanigan. This isn't a bootstrap paradox where they all got together by virtue of Oscar. Oscar changed history. They got together earlier in life than they would have without his intervention. Which, is that supported by the fact that coffee is mentioned elsewhere in the show well that is that is one thing where hedgehog no longer knows what coffee is because in the timeline she lived in it had been banned long before she was ever born but if you watch when mortimer goes to his room because he always feels wistful after time travel you look at the paintings that are up on the wall and then when uh, at the very end after oscar's back it zooms in on the photo of you know, Oscar right before he sneezed himself back into the present. And I believe it is the picture of a boar with a top hat that was replaced, but one of the paintings was replaced. So they have a different picture on the wall because of this. He changed the past. Right. A different ending from The Shining. It's like Jack Nicholson isn't in the photo the entire time. So that makes sense. It's, 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 uh, it's, I accidentally created an alternate timeline. <laughs> like, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird that Steve-O and, and little Oscar have both ended up in the same fate for some reason? I mean, in, in this case, it's he altered the only timeline he has. Isn't that what we all do? Or are you referring to the fact that Steven altered like maybe a hundred timelines? Well, there's only one timeline, but he altered the past. You, usually you only alter the, the parts forward of where you currently <laughs> are, but he... Right. You know, I mean, technically he was currently there at the time, but he edited 200 years at least of history. Yeah, I, I love how they just instinctively know, oh, you're from about 200 years in the future. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of time travelers, I can tell. Well, yeah, they're unbelievably nonchalant about the fact that Oscar's there auditing the past, which, as noted by my partner while watching, uh, no, <laughs> he was not auditing. <laughs> I don't think we, he knows what auditing means. <laughs> He was definitely taking that course for credit. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Sad at Harvard? Is it actually because Oscar's sad at Harvard? In this cyclical world? You mean because Mortimer is sad at Harvard? No, I mean because Oscar. Like, did he change hmm. it? Is that what the bottle's memory now encapsulates? Or does it encapsulate both of them? No. He never learns how to use the that little kitchen. So... Okay, yeah. Uh, so he he can never have created that. So it has to be Mortimer's memory still. Oh, right. I was thinking like Mortimer, but yeah, no, that's fair. Now, uh, when uh, when the trailer for this season came out, I, I noticed, I, I called it, you know, this looks like Oscar having traveled back in time to their college days. And I was like, but why is Blanche there? Blanche didn't go to Harvard. Blanche went to Radcliffe. We we learned this in Director's Cut. So 
I don't know, there might be more time travel shenanigans than just Oscar. Right, do you smell a retcon, or do you smell uh, four-dimensional chess? I don't know. <laughs> I... See, that's the beauty of retcons. If you go bold enough, you can claim it was 4D chess the whole time. So we'll see if they go big. In in the practice of mentioning Adventure Time every time we talk about Summer Camp Island, it's a very Adventure Time thing to do to leave your fans wondering if it was all some elaborate web of, you know, plot schemes or if they just changed it whenever it was convenient. <laughs> yeah, but... You see, I, I'm just mentioning director's cut from back in season one on the note that here they're pretty confident that this is taking place around 200 years in the past. But in director's cut, all they would say is it was over 100 years ago. So, right. I agree with, I think you kind of discussed before that. I Yeah, season one, they didn't have this all mapped out at all. I, I think they had very big ideas, but. It does seem like this show developed similarly to Adventure Time, where canon came in later. There was not the, I don't think the Rebecca Sugar method of one big timeline had yet really influenced many other shows. It's just so much clear that the lore development is much more inspired by the Pendleton Ward, oh, that sounds like a good idea, type of uh, development. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone could look at Adventure Time and think, yeah, that, that method of canon's not going to work out for you, so... <laughs> no, exactly. It's just another fun way. Like, to be fair, Summer Camp Island's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, I'd have to say so. <laughs> they gotta be doing something right. It's still blowing my mind, because I still need to rewatch it and actually notice the times where, if it's not at least interesting connections that they set up, interesting ways that uh, writers went back and made things more meaningful. You know, that's fun to watch. Okay, but you want to you wanna talk about connections. We have our connective tissue throughout the entire series. Seems to be none other than Stuart. This man is everywhere. <laughs> it's weird, um, you know, but he's kind of more like a little demon monster. So maybe he has an underworld connection that helps him uh, navigate all these time periods. What do you think? I think it's his membership in the Iron Bladder Society. <laughs> That's what does it for him. Yeah, it was a fun minor role here to be the official secret society proctor. Like, what's stopping him from, like, just leaving the form so that they know all the questions he's going to ask? Like, no, no, you just have to know that you need a crest without me telling you that you need a crest. You see? I mean, I'm sure that there was a book on secret society formation that they could have read. They went to Harvard, but I'm not convinced. That uh, many of them earned their admission. <laughs> because Maybe it was in Doorways to Secrecy. They, they, they thought it was going to be to the secret Moss and Scones entrance. But yeah, it's a, it's a that, that book could have been about how you form a secret society at Harvard. You don't know because they never read it. Yeah. I did like the book that the society actually handed them. <laughs> yes. They're, they're like very... I think they actually captured a little bit of the Harvidian sort of humor almost like the way that i don't know it reminded me of what was the club at harvard that uh ran like their joke newspaper i'm trying to i cannot remember oh oh yeah yeah right but that like kind that sense of like intelligent gesturing getting vague knowledge that that's a thing but i cannot for the life of me remember its name oh i'm sorry actually it might have been like 
the lampoon or something with lampoon because i remember thinking that their usage of the word lampoon was also tapping at some you know obscure fact in my head in the second episode but hmm let's see here the harvard lampoon there you go there you go all right well very nice good on you <laughs> your yeah. memory's sharp as attack david uh-huh. sharp as attack uh-huh uh <laughs> but yeah no i don't know i just found like that society's like way that they're going to both initiate them with some horrible hand slapping instrument ritual and then oh i i promise you they were gonna get paddled with those <laughs> and then they just immediately i don't know what it is with secret societies and paddling but uh or just you know college groups in general really it's good that they soften but then they still actually aren't softened which is a nice twist for you know summer camp island formula people aren't always completely sweet yeah much like you know witches aren't completely sweet because they you know coddle the beans so much but only to end in horrific grinding. <laughs> uh, I I loved Professor Elliot so much. She was such a great character for this. Yeah, uh, like more of her, please. Honestly, I'm kind of a sucker for all the people with the... Well, is this Scottish or Irish accent? What is the... I guess this is a Scottish Ooh. accent. Much like um, the house mom from Susie's yeah, episodes. Yeah, think of it, Miss... Uh... Miss Mary, I believe her name was. Right. She was great too, yeah. Yeah, I just I think I'm just a sucker for people with that accent, honestly. But this was a a fun like it's hilarious that she's completely non-critical to Oscar getting back home though cuz that's just a sneeze away. It's just a complete distraction where they solve a weirdly like short in the t- well, I guess not that short in the timeline. There's been like a 100 years of depressed emotions because of Mildred. That's a strange thing that's been introduced, and it's resolved so easily. I think it was only 50 years, but that depends. In the first season, they established that monsters take 50 years to reach adulthood, so since these guys were probably some of the first monsters attending Harvard to have been born during the Great Repression, that would put it about 50 years old mm. at this point. That's that's some advanced timeline uh, thinking. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That whole thing is funny because their world is ultimately still like a little silly. Like it does not take itself as seriously as well, actually, I don't know. Is it fair to characterize Adventure Time's world and timeline as serious when it's like elemental powers are based on jelly beans? Maybe not. (laughs) I was I was literally about to mention the fact that candy elemental is a thing. So thank you for Uh being on the same page. Actually, just side note on that. I think that actually is what broke me in Adventure Time, because up until that point, you're kind of like, oh, it's this weird, crazy LSD trip of magical stuff that happens after a horrific nuclear war. So, like, you just have this notion in the show that prior to the nuclear war, it was just our world. But no, then they go back and tell you, well, actually, the world is founded on, like, farts and jelly beans or something. I don't know. (laughs) Farting wasn't one of the elementals, but still, you you know. And then you're like, okay, so actually the whole premise is... Redonkulous, which is fine. Uh, but Summer Camp Island never tries to trick you, although it does do a weird thing where it keeps being connected to our own history. Like Harvard is there, uh, George Washington is mentioned, famously mentioned. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I'm like George Washington, the slave owner. Like, what is? I don't know what happened in the show and what didn't, and that's horrifying. So 
Yeah, but uh, hopefully just that the worst things were happened were just like Mildred and the, you know, the great emotional repression. They do hammer on about Mildred for quite some time, so that was a traumatic experience. Yeah, it's funny that the thing that we saw with Mildred was the worst that she ever got, and then apparently she disappeared after that. You know, she didn't continue a career in apparently terrorizing towns after that. So, you know, she's been both gone from Susie's life and the public eye since that episode. Well, she did publish a book about soul transferring, so we'll see if that goes anywhere. Looking at you, Emma. (laughs) Ribbit, ribbit. Yeah. Can't get away from shows about frogs. Nope. Frogs are forever. (laughs) Or at least every three weeks. But uh, I just... I just absolutely loved Professor Elliot in the in the carriage when she smashed the can against her forehead. And <laughs> she's doing the whole, I'm going to talk to myself very loudly. This is definitely caffeine I'm on and not some other substance famous for causing manic behavior. Yeah, uh, it's like very similar to uh, regular shows usage of other things that were definitely not alcohol. But then, you know, then J.G. Quintel got close enough and then it could just be drugs and alcohol. So... You know, <laughs> different version of the show, maybe. I don't know. I I think the I think the fact that it was not alcohol or anything was part of the charm of regular show. Oh yeah, kind kind of loses some of its funniness when it's just the regular stuff causing it. You know, that's right. It's way funnier when you're like root beer <laughs> or you know whatever <laughs> apple juice. Not it was never apple. Getting juice. your kids next door on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now. um... I do kind of want to preview something that I I'm going to talk more about it in the when we talk about the last three episodes of this season, uh, Susie and the Babies. But I, I do want to briefly bring up that uh, would it be safe to say that those were mostly all monsters at Harvard? Yeah, it's almost like it's a school for monsters. Yeah, thought that was really weird. I mean, they have one witch teacher there, but you know, since she's uh, not the most popular, uh, not the most popular teacher. It seems to be Monster City there now. Would you think it's pretty fair to say that all the all those monsters are pretty gentle, sensitive types? And Stewart, well, emotionless right then, but yes, they were very capable of being reserved and emotionally balanced. Now, uh, how does this how does this square up with the God Monster from uh, from Monster Visit? Kind of. Oh, that's true. Makes it look like she's fighting a losing battle against the times there. And meanwhile, they're all scared of her like they have to do what she says or else. I, again, I, I don't think they, uh, I think they changed their vision for what monsters are like. But I, I will bring this up again in three weeks and we can, we can discuss it more fully there. But first thoughts now. I, absolutely. I forgot about God Monster and you're right. They had this idea where monsters in more recent history had gone away from being our, you know, traditional idea of monsters. Yet here we are hundreds of years ago and monsters are refined, civilized beings that, you know, have Harvard education. Weird. Maybe, like, can they ever recontextualize that again? Or is this the recontextualization of just making her seem even more old school and outdated? Like, I mean, because Mildred was the worst thing people had seen. Did monsters, if monsters were around roaming and scaring people, it's like, why would, you know, Harvard in North America, in a place where there's plenty of other animals and stuff, unless Harvard was the school where monsters should be going separately, but yet they weren't teaching monstery things, you know? 
they weren't trying to enforce the type of things that Cough Monster was into. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. very strange yeah i don't know i just i just don't feel like god monster would have that kind of hold on them unless she was like speaking for the majority i mean monsters live for a way longer time yeah but eh. but there's 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 no sense of there's no sense of oh god monster you have to get with the times it's like oh we have to do what you say or or else we're just gonna run away we're bad with confrontations maybe hmm yeah, I don't. I feel like if I rewatch that right now, I wouldn't get any more nuance from it. It would still remain confusing and at, at at odds with what we've been presented. Well, we'll we'll come back to that in three weeks. All right. Yeah, I did. I did find it very nice. Uh, what are you some some child witch of sensitivity? <laughs> the 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 gag where Mortimer would always sneak up behind Oscar and grab him was was very nice. Yeah. Which okay, because I was actually a little confused as to whether it was yes that confused me at first version right but it it kept being actually the present version which is funny because normally kind of like you know in steven universe where steven kept coming from the future and grabbing himself that exact thing yes yeah that's the trope so it's a it's a it's a hard to watch uh twist of the trope to see someone in the current era doing it because I guess they're aware of the time traveling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it is very confusing to watch at first, but once you understand what's going on, it becomes very funny. I appreciate the gag. Uh, well, I maybe you can help enlighten me on the mechanics though because he's stealing him away from Oscar while Oscar is actively involved with him doing something. How are there two versions of him right next to each other if they're the past version? Is it that just cartoon logic? It's it it might be just cartoon physics, or uh, Oscar might have had his eyes closed at the time. But yeah, <laughs> okay. that, the first one is very confusing. The others are uh, the others. They show you him moving. Right. So. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that's I. It's beautiful. <laughs> but they they surprise you the first time. I, I'm I'm glad. I, whoever whoever thought to put that one in, thumbs up. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Oscar and the Monsters. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 